Lauren. Hi. I'm so happy to be talking with you today. How are you doing out there in Iowa City? So far, so good. Good. Yeah. Well, the occasion for our conversation is that the fall winter 2021 issue of Colorado Review is now out. It just came to us yesterday. And it features our first ever graphic narrative by you. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited to be opening this up, um, this new genre for us. And I'm so pleased that yours is the inaugural piece. So um, thanks again for letting me publish it and for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I thought we could just start by talking about you. And I mean, clearly we're talking because you do graphic uh, memoir, mm -hmm. but let's just start by talking about but what do you do for your day job? For my day job, I work for the University of Iowa running what's called the Writing University website initiative, which is um, basically a an archive of all the readings that have taken place here in Iowa City over the years, a news outlet, an events listing, sort of a online showcase and gathering area for people to be part of the writing community here out here in Iowa City. And I run that. It has multiple components to it. And I get to work with a lot of different people. Great. And you ended up in Iowa City because you went there to do your MFA. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. I actually did my undergrad here too. I, oh. came, I came to Iowa City when I was 18. And you are did still not. Ex I am still here. I did not expect to still be here. But uh, college towns have a way of. They do. Um, keeping people. Um, if they want you, they keep you. They keep you. Yeah. Well, so in the piece that we published, and it's an excerpt from Team Photograph, you talk about your first attempts at writing poetry when you were a child. And it's because you were living in Virginia in an area where there are a lot of Civil War sites. Yeah. And these sites had kind of a powerful effect on you. Um, you call them visions, um, the ghosts that you saw and that, and that poetry was a way for you to explain those, those visions. And then of course we know you went on to get your undergraduate and then your MFA in poetry, but I'm curious when you first started drawing. My drawing journey was parallel with my writing journey in high school and college, I tried as much as I could to continue to do both. I wasn't willing to choose one over the other. And so for a long period of time, I would be working with, you know, printmakers or visual artists, and then also in workshops, uh, writing. And so it, I ended up publishing books of poetry, and I, I think that that would probably be considered your first like professional foray into 
one or the other. So before I had like any art shows or anything like that, I was publishing books of poetry. And so I guess poetry won out in a weird way, but it doesn't surprise me at all that I tried to have tried now to fuse them together since I've just been doing doing both of those things my whole life. Well, when when we published your book, Instead of Dying, mm-hmm. you um, you drew the artwork for the cover. Yeah. Is that the first time that your um, graphics and your poetry came together in, um, in a printed piece? My first book, Calendar, had a painting on the on the cover that I had done so and I had made a maybe one or two like poetry comics from Calendar. so I had already sort of delved into the idea of like using the graphic novel to display a a poem. Well, I love the cover of Instead of Dying. And that's where I was first introduced to your your graphics. And I think it's it's just a great cover. Let's talk about your what you're doing right now. And that is a lot of these um, single panel comics that Mm -hmm. you've been sharing on Facebook and Instagram, mostly Instagram, right? And yeah, yeah. So I've noticed that probably no surprise, a lot of the comics are about anxiety. Um, yeah. And I, and, and, and I think you started posting these regularly during the pandemic. Yeah, I had a, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I couldn't stop thinking about the virus, couldn't stop looking up all the numbers, all of that stuff. And I thought I need, I need a break from this. And so drawing a comic was one of the first times really my brain thought about something else other than, you know, the pandemic. And I thought, okay, we need to focus on this because it's, it's healthy to think about something else and it's healthy to concentrate on something else in the midst of all of this. And so it started to become a daily thing where I would, I had a, you know, like a list of ideas, list of different topics maybe I would want to address and then decide which one to draw that day. And try I was trying to post them daily for a while I have I have not posted them daily in a while but I was trying to post them daily what kind of response have you had um, to these I mean people really like them I I you know I I wanted to keep them lightweight and funny I wanted to you know they were entertaining for me to to make and so I wanted to keep them entertaining for everyone else. And so basically, the more that I drew them, the more sort of my audience expanded and people seemed to really like look forward to them and read them. It was always fun to get the comments on them. So like I would post something and then 
you know, there'd be a discussion underneath. And I, I loved that, just seeing everyone else's different takes on my idea or, you know, what I had thought or embarrassing thing that I, you know, notice I do in my house or something like that. Um, I think that's one of the really great things about about literature. And I do think that these, you know, these comics are a text and I, I think that they can, we can call them literature, but you know, when, when you read something and you think, I thought I was the only one who yeah, ever yeah. thought that. And it's, it feels so nice to know that you aren't alone, that, yeah. that, that someone else has felt that very strange thing. And I'm thinking of a few of the panels and one of them, you know, maybe I could use two tea bags, but do I deserve it? (laughs) Do I deserve it? Yeah. Yeah. Just this like, yeah, just, (laughs) you know, this voice inside my head that I've grown up with, it's been there for quite a while. I don't know where it came from, but is very, uh, what do you say depression era grandmother oh sure uh, yeah very kind of strict you know always always checking in on whether or not I'm I'm being spoiled or um, acting like a spoiled brat or right. you know it's like and none of these things it's like I don't know where this voice came from I don't know why it's there but it's like so prominent in my life And it was, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. So I started just like writing it down. We were being so careful, you know, we were going to the store once a week instead of every day. And yeah, you know, so maybe you shouldn't use two tea bags at once. I don't know. I was like, I was like, well, it tastes better with two tea bags. Like, (laughs) is this allowed? you deserve the tea bags yeah you deserve it Lauren yeah I I think that those were fabulous um fabulous panels and I I suspect that there were a lot of people out there I'm I'm not the only one who appreciated the the dailiness or the new near dailiness of them and and just knowing that yes we're all struggling in our own weird little ways and, uh, and you were, you're just able to really capture that, but moving from the single panels to a narrative, um, mm-hmm. did that feel like a big leap? I'm, I, I found myself wondering, is this like moving from the short story to the novel? Um, maybe just apples and oranges, but was that a, what was that like for you? I mean, well, I had already been working on the narrative panels before I started the single panels, actually. So several of those had already been finished as this project that I was working on. And, um, and then, and then I started doing the, the individual panels just when we were stuck at home. But um, yeah, for, for, team, for team photograph, those uh, narrative panels that sort of describe my process of, you know, both investigating the fields I played on in Northern Virginia and the house I grew up in, those were, I, 
they started as paragraphs. So I had started as sort of just describing in a short, maybe two paragraph essay in between sections of the poetry, um, trying to give the poetry a little bit more of like a structure because one of the poems in this book is, uh, I wrote when I was 18. So, I mean, I've been working on this book for a really long time. Wow, wow. Yeah. Um, I feel like we actually should say the, right here, let's, let, let's, talk, let's give this some context. So this book that you're talking about, Team Photograph, um, yeah. it's a book length project, it's hybrid, that you have seven sections, right? Of mm-hmm. yeah, a, of combinations uh, alternating of narrative, um, graphic, graphic narrative, novel. graphic me- yeah. memoir, and yeah. um, and then poetry. And yeah. this book is coming out from Sarah Band about a year from now in November 2022. And yes. do you want to let's back up just a little bit? Do you want to um, talk about? a little bit about what the book is about before we start talking about the structure of it? Sure, yeah. So basically it's, this book is, it, it explores my childhood growing up in Northern Virginia where I played soccer by different battlefields. Uh, but specifically I played Um, soccer a lot at a park called Bull Run Regional Park, which was right next to Bull Run, the Manassas National Battlefield, the Battle of Bull Run. And also when I was a child, I would wake up and see people in my room. It's a phenomenon called hypnagogia, where you're waking up from sleep and you you can see objects, people, and then they disappear. But that, um, that, that space between wake and sleep. And yes, sometimes it's hard to differentiate yeah. whether you're awake or asleep. You can see your room. The room is there. Everything seems real. But then there's also this an, an additional person or object. So... So basically, I was trying to investigate, one, what were these, you know, visions I was seeing? Two, could they have been connected to the battlefields? And then three, sort of exploring the idea of sport as sort of a representation of war and and the fact that we were playing soccer really close to these fields. And then also I, I wanted to explore sort of the idea of how I started to learn how to write poetry and how I learned some of the forms, you know, like erasure poem forms or um, gathering of of different texts to weave together texts that sort of thing I just realized (laughs) this is so obvious but this is actually it's kind of a triple hybrid this book because it's it's memoir yeah um, it's creative nonfiction it's poetry and Mm -hmm. it's graphic I mean this yeah is this do you know is there anything else out there like this are you the only one to have done this so far 
I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know either. I, we can fact check that later. But I don't think there's anything you, exactly like this. Where you certainly it, haven't seen anything. I mean, you, ha- you didn't I have model not. it on anything. No, I didn't. I, you know, I basically had this manuscript of poetry and wanted to expand on it and and trying to expand on it made it into this sort of hybrid form right which yeah uh which then was also pretty difficult to sell honestly well um, saraband is going to do such a great job yeah with it i'm so happy i'm for so you. happy to be with saraband i yeah. i i'm over the moon but they do beautiful but it was books. but it, it was interesting to try to you know to show it to a lot of different places and what you know one thing about the publishing world is novelty is a little bit of a a thorn in your side when you know if you don't have what do they call them oh like the categories the the yeah the book category yeah really like this is a memoir this is a novel this is poetry yeah and you don't have like um the I forget what you call the books that go at like go ahead of you like the specs or whatever if you don't have like um a pathway like that that you can describe or you can show to I mean a lot of times publishers will just say okay we don't know how we would sell this right we think it's interesting but but we have to pass on it. And so I was getting a lot of that. Yeah. I think sometimes too, it just comes down to where would the, where would a bookseller put this? Yeah, exactly. They don't have a shelf for this. Right. Um, So, yeah. So it's not like you could say it's like fun home and they'd say, Oh, it's a graphic memoir, but that's where it will go. But, but it's poetry, but it's not, but it also has poetry. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see, I would love for this sort of genre to take off. I don't know if it could, but I love the idea of like having a graphic novel section describing how the poetry came about, like so that you're you're learning about how the poetry was written through the book. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see it. I mean, I've seen I've seen um, I've seen it in manuscript form. And, yeah. um, I can't wait to see what they do with it. I mean, at the same time, I know what they're going to do with it. They're going to, they're going to make it beautiful and it's going to look probably very similar to how it looks in manuscript form. Um, yeah, I'm hoping. The, yeah. The graphics will stay the same. It'll just be that they're, you know, they'll choose a typeface for the, um, the poems, but that makes me think of, um, and this is kind of a little detail question, a little bit in the weeds, but I'm such a, really obsessed with people's handwriting. And I'm really curious about the lettering that you do for your pieces. I think it's such a, it's such a fun um, face. I'm, you know, I called it a typeface, but it's not a typeface. Oh yeah. So, you know, it's all caps for those listeners, all caps, you have lowercase eyes. Um, it's friendly, it's organic. And I'm wondering, is this is the lettering that you use for your graphics, is that similar to your everyday handwriting? It is similar. 
it's it's a lot neater than my everyday handwriting. I I I write a lot slower when I'm when I'm doing the comic font, but I yeah I do try to include parts of my own handwriting in there to give it some personality. Did you have to try out a few designs? Uh, I tried it. It really came down to legibility. And so I was all of my texts. Most of them are white letters on, on a black background. Right. Mm -hmm. So it really came down to like, oh, that had to be really clear and legible there for a reader to be able to discern what what's happening. And, and so that really forced me to pattern it in such a way that it would, it would be, it would be structured and, and readable and consistent it's you know, yeah it's very consistent. consistent yeah yeah knockout type um of you know coming out of black you know white coming out of black is challenging anyway even with like digital typefaces um so yeah i imagine with the kind of lettering you do but the lettering you do is pretty bold so it, you know you've got that going for it but um yeah i just i think it's really unique and um and I, I just like it. Um, so thanks. Yeah. I also wanted to, well, something that I'm really curious about too, is your characters in your yeah. narrative pieces, sort of your alter ego. They are, they're all animals. And I, I think they're wolves. Are they wolves? They're wolves. Yeah. They're wolves. Okay. We've gone, uh, you know, round and round in yeah. the office. Are they are they dogs? Are they wolves? Are they foxes? Um, they so can clearly, be whatever. We need yeah. to, you know, spend a little more time on our canine identification skills. But so tell me about that. I'm so curious. How did you, how did you land on like why are they wolves? Why are they not people? And and why wolves in particular? Why not cats? Or well, my brother who passed away, Ryan, loved wolves and. He was just obsessed with wolves. And so after he passed, I, I drew a couple portraits of him and he had a wolf head. I just drew them, drew him with a wolf head. And then I realized I really like how that looks. I like how it looks to draw a human body with a wolf head. Um, I'm much better at drawing a wolf head than a human head. I <laughs> like the, like the chin part of the human face is very difficult for me to to draw so a snout is just a lot easier and so I started a portrait of him with a wolf head and then after that I thought man I like that I like that look and so started to sort of integrate it into other pieces of art and then when I started on this book I thought yeah they're all they're all going to be wolves. I just noticed um, that they <laughs> they have fingers. <laughs> they have hands. Yeah, yeah they like have human people. I I just I love them so much. I mean the 
expressions that they have. I'm looking at at you, um, your wolf alter ego as a child, um, struggling um, to write, and you know the eyes are all squinty, and yeah, um, you know the you're clearly stressed out, and uh, yeah, I just I think it's so remarkable that that these wolf characters can express these human emotions with these animal faces. I, I mean, I guess, you know, lots of animals in comics are, Snoopy was able to do that, right? We yeah. get some Snoopy's expressions too, but your, your wolf people are so fabulous and adorable and um, with their human hands holding pencils. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Writing. Yeah. Erasing. Erasing, Erasing and writing. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just fabulous. So you haven't seen it yet. This uh, graphic, these pages I'm showing you over. Um, and of course the color here, I'm under fluorescent light here in our yeah. fabulous podcast studio in the basement of Tiley House on the Colorado State campus. But we just, we got the actual issues yesterday and I think it looks so great. You know, the paper is cream and these are all color but your palette is really interesting to me. And I'm curious about the choices that you made. So these panels, some of them are just black and white. And those are the panels that indicate a memory that you're going or something that happened a long time ago. Right. But the pieces that are the panels that are in kind of the present time of the story are in color, but you've got a, you know, you have limited your palette. You've given yourself a kind of a color constraint of green, yeah. yellow, orange, black, and blue. And can you talk about those choices? I had I had to find a, a sort of green palette to be able to do the soccer fields. And I love like olives. I like olive colors and um, sort of off greens. And so I, I decided on maybe three or four different uh, green shades that varied between olive and then dark green uh, to to do the landscape and then and then the sky I wanted to have sort of a almost like a mysterious colored sky so it is kind of like almost a it's it's a it's not blue it's a strange color. It looks like celery to me. I would call yeah. it celery. So it's green. And uh, it's a green yeah. sky. And, and sort of this idea of, you know, um, being on the soccer field as, as the sun setting or as, as you're playing this game. And, you know, the field itself is this magical zone that holds all of the action inside of it. And then also, yeah, just trying to coordinate those colors then with the different team uniforms or with some of the color coordination that happens inside, like in library in the libraries or the or the research. And so I'm very drawn to um, oranges, blues, and greens. And so a lot, a lot of this graphic novel it, it, it combinations of those it's it's really I think I called it autumnal 
It's uh, very warm. It's rich. It's Mm -hmm. vibrant. And I think it's so much more effective affecting um, than using just all the colors, you know, it's right. It has its own, it has its own look and I can't wait for you to see it. I knew I needed to have a constraint on it because I knew that I, if you just let me use all the colors that I, I would, that it would be chaotic. So yeah, I yeah. knew, I knew I had to go in with this constraint. You want to talk about what your next project, are you working on something, another graphic um, hybrid piece or something else altogether different? I know you do a lot of different things. I mean, right now I'm still trying to work on those this quarantine comics that I had been drawing and I think eventually we'll probably put them together into a collection possibly called mom boy right because that's uh the name my daughter gave me yes uh and so I'm trying to see if there are enough there to put together some sort of collection you know of just comics that would be you know viable for for the world and yeah looking forward to hearing more about that and seeing something do you want to have do you want to leave us with any recommendations of um graphic memoirs or comic artists that you follow oh i i mean i love chris ware i discovered chris ware when i was a freshman here University of Iowa and it just his work just changed my entire understanding of of graphic novels and comics and he he is the way that he maneuvers on the page with the with the words and with his drawings is it's poetic to me I, I could see poetry in in there pr- pretty immediately and so he's one I go back to over and over and over again yeah just just because the way he manipulates even just like the pauses on a page you know right with with the drawings yeah and what you choose to leave maybe unnarrated um, yeah yeah those, I guess those are the pauses, the unnarrated um, panels. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. So I've always just adored his work and I'll go back to it over and over just, just to remember how he does it. Like how, oh yeah. How do you do, how do you, you know, extend a line in a reader's mind? How do you extend, you know, a thought through time using using visuals right right and you're more or less self-taught right I mean did you take any courses in this I mean I I took art courses I guess in high school Mm -hmm. and college but I didn't take any specific graphic novel courses so I just look I would just look at what I would just look at the comics that I like, and then I would not copy them, but I would 
figure out, oh, what parts of this do I enjoy? What parts are, what parts are, are calling to me? And then, and then try to replicate the same sort of like style or the same sort of uh, movement across a page. Right. Yeah. So, and like Kristen Radke's work as well. It's very inspiring. Alison Bechtel, that of course just watching watching all of these graphic novelists use research was also really inspiring did you read um Alison Bechtel's Are You My Mother yeah that was and fun. Yeah, yeah yeah of course and fun home but I'm just thinking in terms of incorporating research Are You My yeah. Mother is so research so heavy and yeah. um and so delightful um yeah of course I love you know and I love the way that she will you know illustrate the research text that she's working from and she she draws the text you know like as though it's in the book I always thought that was that always just blew my mind surprised me like, and you kind of oh, did right. that too in, in team photographs. Yes. Uh, yeah. Where we're looking at these signs, you know, that you see in national parks or at national monuments where there's yeah. a description. And so you've done something really clever to indicate, you know, that we're looking at this um, sign, but you've brought the text out for us and and it looks yeah. like a typeface it is very it's the lettering you have done it but it's very different from the the lettering that you use for your own narration right yeah yeah so uh, yeah I use more of a um serif font yes. for re for research material and then I use the sort of sans serif hand like hand the handwritten uh, font for, for, your own. for the, the, the own narrative. Yeah. I think it's called, um, Haldeman Sands, isn't it? <laughs> it I'm pretty sure that's called what it is. Haldeman Sands. Yeah. It should be called Haldeman Sands. <laughs> I should name it that, put yeah. it out there for sure. Yeah. Well, Lauren, it has been so delightful to catch up with you and talk about this. Yeah. And, uh, I have been wanting graphic narrative, graphic memoir in Colorado Review for so long. And oh, um, I'm so pleased that yours is the first one. And I'm really looking forward to opening the magazine up to more of that. And cool. um, I just so appreciate you being the first. It's exciting. I, I'm thrilled. Thank you. And thanks for having me.